Hey everybody, welcome back to the Blister Podcast. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, the founder of Blister, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing, plus all of our other podcasts, over at blisterreview.com. Now, our guest today is Art Clay, who is the co-founder of the National Brotherhood of Skiers. And Art, along with his National Brotherhood of Skiers co-founder, Ben Finley, are the first African-Americans ever selected into the U.S. Ski and Snowboard Hall of Fame. Now, this is a particularly special episode for me because I got to sit down with Art in person this past weekend at his home on the south side of Chicago when I was back in town for my nephew's wedding, which, by the way, congratulations to my nephew Ben and his lovely bride Caroline, and here's to a lifetime of happiness to the two of you. Okay, back to the National Brotherhood of Skiers. Now, in case you didn't know, the NBS was officially founded in 1974, and it was started to bring together black skiers from all around the U.S. and beyond, and to basically have a big party, which still happens every year, and it's called the Black Summit. And spoiler alert, in very cool news, I got invited to go to the next one, and I cannot wait. Now, in addition to the annual Black Summit gathering slash party, the National Brotherhood of Skiers also exists to make sure that black youth have an inroad into this world of skiing and to support their Olympic ski and snowboard aspirations, which you can learn more about at nbs.org. And we have also included the relevant links in the show notes to this episode. So for all kinds of reasons, it was a real honor and a real pleasure to meet up with Art for about three hours this past Saturday. And as you'll soon see here, we didn't exactly just kind of walk through some linear history of the NBS. So we'll actually still need to do that in another conversation down the line, either with NBS co-founder Ben Finley or maybe NBS president Henry Rivers. But in this particular conversation, well, we might just want to call this particular episode Storytime with Art. So my suggestion is that you make like Art and I did and maybe just settle in on a back patio somewhere and enjoy all of these stories from Art's 83 years on this earth. And then after you do that, I would highly encourage you to check out the film about the NBS that was produced by our friend Faith E. Briggs. And we've included links to Faith's terrific film in the show notes to this episode. And so with that, let me now take you to the south side of Chicago and to Art's backyard where we recorded this. And please enjoy this episode of Storytime with Art. Here we go. Well, I am honored to be here in the backyard of a Hall of Famer. <laughs> it's official, right? It's official. It's official. Um, I'm here on the south side of Chicago. Feels It feels good to be back, uh, sitting here hanging out with Art Clay. This goes down as a good day in my book. Art, um, you know, we've got a bit of history to cover here. That's an understatement. So... Um, Let's let's take it to the beginning. Uh, when were you born, and where did you grow up? Well, I can I, I guess you could say I went from the cotton fields to the snow field. 
I was born in 1937 huh. in Mississippi, and I was raised in Chicago, Illinois. I came to Chicago when I was two. Did you then bounce around north side, south side, or no, have you been? No, came to the south side, 58th and Calumet. Not far from where we are. Right. Huh. And I was there through grammar school and high school. I was there when I went away to college. Huh. So let's talk a little bit about growing up back in on the south side when you did versus life today. How similar, different are things looking? They are very, very different. You know, like I grew up in a neighborhood where your neighbors could spank your butt. <laughs> no question. You know, if you came home from school and your sister got home before you and told one of the neighbors what you had done in school, the neighbor would get you. When your mother got home, the neighbor would tell your mother, that boy did so-and-so and so. And your mother would look at you and say, well, did you do that? Uh-huh. And you say, no, I didn't do that. And she'll say, well, old Miss Jackson is lying. Huh? <laughs> Beat your ass. <laughs> <laughs> the, that whole community, that whole neighborhood took a more yeah, active hand to parenting? Yes, yeah. yes. From, from school... I mean, there was no bus to school. You walked to school every day. Don't make no difference how hot or cold it was. Snow up to your, up to your chest. You waded through the snow to get to school, uh, and you did what you were told. You know, the difference in the neighborhood then and the neighborhood now. Uh, we had cruel police officers. But people did what they were told. You didn't have a lot of uh, you didn't have a lot of shootings or anything like that. And I remember an officer who would come up to you and tell you, you know, I want to have this corner. I want this corner. Get off this corner. I want, when I, I'm going to leave, and when I come back, I don't want to see none of you guys around here. And he would turn around in a 360 degree circle and say. I'm back. <laughs> start, beating, start beating that ass. Oh, it was a lot different in those days. You know, like the people in my neighborhood even. I don't think any of us knew that we were poor until the government told us. <laughs> I mean, everybody everybody worked. It was and during the during the World War Two. It was it was a lively community with it. You know, every every window you passed had one or two of those flags, and they're showing that somebody in their family was representing representing the country. I go on around 58th Street. You know, 58th Street. The neighborhoods were made up, and and mostly the most exciting sport in the city amongst us as nine to 15 year olds, the most exciting sport was softball, 16 inch softball. And, you know, like we played every day. Uh, we were in uh, little tournaments. Uh, we played football every day in each neighborhood. 
each neighborhood would have a have a little football team or a little softball team and this way you know if you were an athlete you could travel out of your neighborhood into another neighborhood because you knew somebody on the team over there today it ain't safe to travel travel out your neighborhood <laughs> hey so growing up you're playing softball you're playing football were those kind of your two main sports as a kid and as a teenager yeah those are, those are, well that and swimming in high school i see I, I was on the swim team and the football team where'd you go to high school inglewood okay and had no idea you see now i can get get on the on the public school system but it goes back years you see in the Chicago public school system, you know, you get very little counseling, very little. And when I say very little counseling, now, between my mother and my sisters, you know, I got educated. In school, I learned enough by the time I got out of fourth grade to get through college. When I got ready to graduate from high school, I remember, well, I had a, I had a sister at the school who was pretty smart, and I was smart enough to maintain a B average. Therefore, I didn't never get in any trouble. Therefore, I never saw a counselor. Hmm. Now, about a month before you graduate, they had what they call career day. And everybody got to wear a certain tie and everything. Come up there and you sit, you sit in a system principal's office. And he has a stack of folders on both sides of his desk. And you know what? You walk in and he said, what's your name? You tell him your name. And he started looking through these folders and finally he pulls out a folder, put it on top of his desk and he opens it up, looks at it for about a minute, looks up and looks at you and says, what do you want to be in life? You're like, I don't know. I do this, doctor, lawyer, Indian chief, you know, to go down the buttons on your coat, you know. I had no idea Yeah. that, uh, you know, that courses that, like, all right, I was good in math through grammar school, but by the time I got to high school, they started algebra and trigonometry and all this kind of stuff. You know, first of all, you got to tell me how these things are going to benefit me yep. in the future. They ask you what kind of high school you want to go to. You want to go to uh, a technical high school or a general high school. I didn't even know the difference. Mm -hmm. But because my friends were going to a technical school, I wound up at Tilden the first semester. No girls. <laughs> Well, girls, I left there and went over to Englewood. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, I had a good time in high school. But uh, I didn't really learn anything. You see, the only, you know, when I get challenged, I remember uh, nobody, you know, nobody wanted to go to Mr. Stone in civics. But now he would challenge you, you know, he'd make you do what you had to do. And I did what I had to do. I learned a lot from him. Then 
I worked as a paper boy. And I had worked for, as a paper boy since I was about seven, eight years old. And the guy that I worked for, you know, I had, you know, he was much like my father. And when I got ready to graduate from high school, I was telling him that I wouldn't, that I would be going to Tennessee State hmm. because I had been offered a scholarship to go there and swim. Hmm. And he says, well, why don't you go where I went to school? I said, well, where did you go to school? He said, Clark in Atlanta. I said, Clark in Atlanta, Georgia? There's no way, no way. I ain't going down south. So he got together seven football players and sent us down to Atlanta. And again, when I got to, to the campus in Atlanta, I got there just about the time the, the bells were ringing and the classes were changing. And this big door on the administration building opened and all these cutie pies came <laughs> This is, I can see this is a recurring theme for you. <laughs> Wait, so you did end up at Clark? Yeah. Because yeah. of, of the cutie pies. Yeah, the cutie pies. So, you know, when I got there, I said, damn, you know, like, I didn't know what I was going to do, but I was going to be there the next four years. <laughs> I stayed on the honor roll until I got to be a senior. <laughs> then I dropped off. I tried not to graduate. So, so what did you end up studying other than business administration? Business, business administration. I took business administration because looking over the, the what do you, whatever you call them, you know, the program schedules and all that kind of stuff. Business administration. The only math that you had to take was business math, which is two and two is four and all that kind of stuff. Well, it was it was college was easy. You know, I never thought. You see, as a kid, I thought college was for folks like Mickey Rooney. You know Mickey Rooney? Yeah. Mickey Rooney, you know, where they used to, you know, back in my day, to, you know, you'd see Mickey Rooney riding around in a studs, bear cat, you know, with them, them coonskin coats on and the pork pie hat. See, I, that's what that's what college is about. Oh, that's what college looks like? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wasn't going there, yeah. you know, and wound up. Down there at Clark, and I had a good time down there. You know, oh boy, oh boy, all the cutie pies, and you know, like, yeah, Clark was great. Clark was great. I still got, I got a friend down there at Clark. I called every morning. That's you know, we could do a roll call. Still today. Yeah. Huh. Yep. Called him this morning. He was a judge, but I met a lot of good people. At Clark, I came out of came out of college, and the day I got home from school, I had a notice to, for the draft. I was drafted in the army. The day you got back? The day I got back, my my the, the letter was there waiting for me. <laughs> so you're what? 21, 22? 22. 22. 22. You're like I just got out of college. I got out in I got out in April or May and got home. As soon as I got home I had that notice and I was in October I was on my way to Fort 
Leonard Wood, Missouri. Had a good time in the Army. <laughs> Had a good time in the Army. You know, now, today, if they had a draft, that would cut down on a lot of the problems that we having in the streets today. Simply because, you know, and I thought, you know, back back then, you know, we were dodging the draft. Don't nobody want to go to the Army. I got out of school, you know, some of my friends went to the Air Force, you know, and tried to talk me into it. No, I ain't going to do that. I ain't going to do that. That's right out of high school. No, I got lucky and got to go to college. Now, I still ain't, you know, I wasn't ready to go when I got out of college. I wasn't ready to go to the Army. But uh, I went and found out in Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri, but in the battalion that I was in, there were only two college graduates in the battalion, and it's got to be it's got to be a thousand men in the battalion. There was only two college graduates, mm-hmm. and I played that again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I played that. Now, you have non-commissioned officers around there who who telling you what to do, and I mean they don't really know what the rules are. Now, I, one of those officers gave me a copy of the military co- the Universal Code of Military Justice, which if somebody asked me to do something that I didn't want to do, I would say something like, oh, well, ARR 47-32 states that before <laughs> I do that, I have to be properly trained in that. And the person who telling me to do that, I had to know how to do it. Some old shit like that. You know, anything. Were you just making that up? Yeah, yeah. And they... <laughs> Another recurring theme through this story of yours. Just kind of gaming. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, and really, really, life is a game. Uh-huh. Life is a game. I mean, you you know, I am, you know, I can't, you know, I get, I go to the doctor now and they're always asking me, am I depressed? Fuck no. <laughs> Why would I be depressed? You know? <laughs> Hey, I don't want to be, it's going to depress me. You know, if I can live up under this wife I got, boy. Changing topics before you get in trouble. So we made it to the Army. And if I've got the story right, this is actually, it's in the Army when you first learn about skiing. Is that right? That's right. That's right. You know, like... That the army, the army was a great experience. In the service, I had a friend who was from, looked like Montana, you know, and tried to talk me into skiing. Go ski, come on, let's go over to Birch's Garden. Birch's, let's go to Birch's Garden in Germany. We were stationed near Orleans, France. And, you know, like, I'm young. I don't know. You know, like, <laughs> I went to school in Chicago. They teach you geography from New York to California. Uh-huh. You know, you don't know nothing about no, nothing else. So I'm thinking that I got to go a long way to get to Birch's Garden, Germany. But, shit, that's like going from here to Springfield. You're right. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so I turned him down and got back here, you know, and one of the guys who was in service with me, 
you know, was a was a part of a little group of skiers here. And they talked me into, into coming to the, like I say, coming to a meeting where nobody spoke to me and I knew everybody in the room. So wait, just to be clear, when you were stationed in Europe, in France, you never skied actually in Europe. Not then. Yep. I went back. You've been. Yeah. Yeah. But so from that time, you had somebody trying to get you to Germany, but I would have been thinking the same thing. That sounds real far away, <laughs> even though it wasn't where you were stationed. Right, but right. But you get back to Chicago, and somebody asks you to come to this ski club event thing? Right. One of my buddies say, come on, let's go. Come on, come on to the, to the club meeting. You know, come on to the club meeting. And I go to the club meeting, and uh, one of my frat brothers is the president of the club, Leo Frazier. Now, he's up front talking. He didn't speak, you know, and the rest of the folks in there didn't speak. Now, the folks that I'm talking about is a bunch of the upscale black folks, I guess you might call them, young. And this guy, Art Hickson, you know, we, Art Hickson and I, we used to race sports cars together. You know, he had a little sports car team. And he was in it. He said, come on, you know, he's the only one that spoke to me at that meeting. I knew that wasn't for me. Hmm. And afterwards, after all this got started, you know, some of those people came, even came around. You see, if you ever, if you ever get a chance to go to a black summit, go. Go, you have a you have a good time. You have a really good time, and it and it's not hard to have a good time. You know, see, people think that you got to get 100, 200 people together to have a banquet. You don't need, but you don't need, but 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 you don't need but ten couples. <laughs> you know, I was telling my wife at one of the summits. You know, we sitting around in a condo. And it was about maybe maybe two dozen folks in the condo sitting around talking. And I told my wife, I said, "Well, you know, this organization, this is this is has more importance than you might think." And a guy in there stood up. He said, "You don't know who I am." He and he gave his name. His name was. Phil Lindsay, he said, I am a colonel in the United States Army, and I'm an intelligence officer, and I have been sent here because anytime this many black folks who can afford to ski get together, we got to know about it. <laughs> Tell me about the first time then you actually went skiing. The first time I actually went skiing was at the Playboy Club in Lake Geneva. <laughs> and another one of my buddies talked me into doing that. You know, uh, it was like the Snow Gophers Ski Party, $15. That's what it cost, $15. Oh, yeah, I'm going to do that. So I get on this bus, the cutie pass. <laughs> pass. Cutie pass, and this guy John Dunham, John Dunham. Oh man, yeah, 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 yeah. No, I get you down the hill. I get you down the hill. We get off the chairlift and he falls. 
and I fall on top of him. <laughs> and we finally work our way down the hill, and I say, no, no more of this. I'm going in the, uh, in the, in the, in the lounge. And I go in there, and I start dancing this name named Paula Wood. So that her and her girlfriend invited me to go skiing with them next weekend. <laughs> now, not knowing what to do and not having the kind of money that I really needed to do it, I decided that I was going to get me some ski equipment. So I go over to Sears Roebuck. I go over to Sears Roebuck in the sports department. The guy says, he says, tell him what I need. He said, well, you need these skis. He said, I said, well, I'm, he gave me this pair of skis. He said, hold your hand up in the air like this. <laughs> and he took these skis. He said, this is just right for you. <laughs> they went They went long back then. Yeah, hey, they, these are just, well, you see, over the years, you learn that the shorter the ski, the easier it is to turn, yeah. you know? So, okay, I got these skis. And I got some boots that laced up. Uh-huh. Leather? Yeah. Yeah. And some, I forget what they call those bindings, but it was something like a cable binding. Uh-huh. A cable binding. I got that, that and and the first time, like, like I said, they were in the Stem Christie lesson. Well, I can do that. I think I can do that. I'll get in that lesson with you. So, okay, the next morning we got to the area early, right as the lift was open, opening. And they lesson didn't start until an hour later. So they were gonna go up and take a run down the bunny trail before the lesson started. Okay, I go up there with them, I'm falling down, busting my ass all over. <laughs> You're just falling, falling. So I tell them, go ahead, go ahead. Then this Elgin Lee, the little old elf, skied up to me and said, let me let me help you, please. And he begged me, you know, begged me. I'm telling him, no, no, man, I don't want to be bothered with you. But he talked me into letting him show me how to keep this hand out front going that way, keep that hand out front going that way, and, and how to unweight the skis. And if you do that, if you do that, if you skiing this way and you just do that, you gonna unweight the skis, and you'll go from one to the other. Now, after the, he, well, he gets me on down to the bottom of the hill, and he says, now I'm on the beginner run. And he says, let's go over here to the bunny hill, which wasn't nothing. I mean, it was just a little slight incline. I said, no, I don't wanna go over there. I don't wanna go over there. So he took me over there, and he, and I perfected his moves over there. When he turned me loose that day, I was doing the black trail at Indian Head. Hmm. Let's see, what do they call it? Tomahawk. Hmm. I was skiing Tomahawk. Everybody was telling me, oh, you can't ski. You ain't skiing because you, see, I was skiing with my feet apart. Yeah. They say, oh, you got to have your feet locked together. No, you ain't got to have your feet locked no. together. You don't have to have your feet locked together. You were ahead of your time. Yeah, I was, hey, and... Today, today, the thousands of folks who have skied with me, you know, and still ski with me, you know, I, I got a picture the other day from somebody, a uh, president of the Snowboard Ski Club is here. A uh, letter from a uh, woman who was the president at the time I joined the club. 
she sent me some pictures of of the old days. Mm. Boy, I had a I had a lot of this, you know, a lot of memorabilia. Like the girl who is the president of the Snowball was put this book together, but it's got it's got a lot of a lot of stuff in it. Yeah, we're sitting next to we're looking at a big old binder. I don't know, five inches wide this uh and art and i've kind of gone through a little bit of it but man there's uh art's got his hand on a bunch of history right now are you gonna do ben i'd love to but he yeah he ain't in chicago i know he's in la i mean you know one possibility i sure would love to come to a summit i don't know if i'm invited but if i am you invited all right you invited i got invited by the founder that means i'm in yep so you call him Ben right now? I know, he lives in the wrong city. Hello, you've reached Captain Ben Finley. Please leave a message. When you get a chance, call me back. Shit, if you can get out to California, you'd be able to, you can talk to him. Yeah, yeah. So just curious, that first day skiing, you're done with the day. Are you thinking, man, I love this, or I definitely want to do this again, or did you not necessarily catch that bug? I caught that bug. I caught that bug and was so proud that I could I could ski as well or better than the two ladies that took me up there. <laughs> Benny, Benny. Hey. Uh, I have a gentleman here from Blister. Ben, my name is Jonathan Ellsworth, and it is a pleasure to meet you. Oh, thank you. We are currently sitting in Art's backyard, uh, you know, here on 74th and South Clyde. We wish you were here with us. (laughs) 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 See, it's 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 that L.A. arrogance, right? This is why, you know, it's all right. It's all right. I just... I just left a bike ride on the beach. I do not need to be <laughs> on 74th and South Clyde. <laughs> yeah, it's a little hotter here. It's it's a little hotter here, I imagine today. But uh, yeah, just was. I'm I'm originally from Chicago and back for my nephew's wedding. I live in Crested Butte, Colorado now, but uh. Oh, Crested Butte. Okay. Crested Butte. <laughs> you know. <laughs> but uh. uh that's great but yeah i just i was like all right i haven't been back to chicago in a few years but i was like next time i go home i'm gonna see about linking up with art and uh and the day has come so just recording currently we're sitting here recording a conversation about kind of his life and experience and uh you know he was just saying well you know we we're talking a bit about NBS and uh, he's like, well, you know, you got to talk to Ben at some point. You know, I said like you and I had not been connected and I think Art just thought, well, I'm going to remedy that right now. So he just started punching your number in and I said, what are you doing? He's like, I'm calling Ben. So I, uh, I'm not sure that we need to take up too much of your time now, but it would be really fun to either next time I'm in LA or if we were to talk sometime just over the phone, um, I'd love to, you know, and 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 big news, Art invited me to the summit. So if we are doing big ski events or whatever this you know coming year, I'd I'd love to come by. So okay, yeah, very good. Why don't you give me a call? Uh, I'll 
me a call uh, on Tuesday or so during the week. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Thank you. Bye-bye. It's great. Connected. Connected. You don't mess around. Oh, no, no. <laughs> Who's got the time? You can wear that sometime. What is this? This is cool. Now, wait a second. What, tell me the backstory. When did this see that? See that up there in the garage? All the way back in the back? All the way back in the back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the same oh. thing that's on there. But tell me that story. I mean, is this... Well, this is the, this, this is the gang. That was a club we call it the gang. The gang. And, you know, like one day, one day it snowed here. And uh, we were sitting in the, in the front room there talking. And, and at the time, we were getting ready to go to a summit. And those coats, those coats, we were making them out of denim. We were making we were making those long dusters yeah. out of denim so that Styling. you see one of the things about the gang, you know, we wanted to be different from everybody else. Well, first the first uniform that uh, that was used in the brotherhood came from the snow gophers. And we didn't want to be uniform like everybody got on red and black or yeah. blue and gray or something like that. We're going to be do something different. These long coats would be would be our our interest. Yeah. Hey. And it went over big. Well, it get, we went we just went out in the park over here in Washington Park and was walking down a hill and the guy took this picture. And since then it's been that picture's been everywhere. So somebody took that photo. That was a photo that then got turned into that big painting? Right. That's a that's a uh, That's a photo? Yeah, that was That's a, not a painting. That's My a photo. Are... So who's all in this picture? Do you that, know? Yeah. From from on on both ends of the Blackman brothers. Okay. That's Bob uh I Bob this. This White, is... uh, then Blackman Brothers. Yeah. Bob White, Ann Burchett. That's my wife, Mamie Nakes. That's Ann Burchett. Ann. Me, and, and the Blackman, Blackman Brothers. Brothers. That is the coolest picture. It was my goal to to get get the picture out there. Let me go find another. See if I got a small. When did you have these made? Well, they've been around. This is the second edition here. The first one is bigger than that. Would you want one of these? I would. We would put that. You know what we do with that? We put that in our blister headquarters. Hang yeah. it up. We've got this really cool headquarters space in Crested Butte. Um, oh yeah. Yeah, that would look good in there. Now come on. Let me, I got to give you some money for this. That thing, that's no, not no, cheap. No. I, I trade you that for the blister book. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's the best trade I've made all day. This is great. We will, we'll put this in HQ. Okay, put it in HQ. Yep, <laughs> yep. <laughs> I don't know how much of what's just happened we're going to leave into this podcast or we're going to edit out, but this, <laughs> this has been great. I've just been given 
an amazing blanket with one of the coolest <laughs> pictures I've ever seen on it, which we are now going to display in Blister headquarters, uh, and I'll, I'll take a photo of it uh, when I when I get back to Crested Butte, and uh, we'll show you guys this thing then. But uh, this is this is pretty good. I just got a very cool T-shirt. I got a chance to meet Ben Finley over the phone. And I got a really cool blanket, so uh, this is this is a good day for me. I told you. Hey, hey. <laughs> you know, I saw in here. Uh, I remember Blizzard Blizzard skis. Yeah. I had a pair of Blizzard skis. I think that that was one of the first pair of skis. Let's see, Blizzard was it Blizzard? Yeah, they were they were made by. This guy that this guy's family that I that I worked for, he was the the Benzingers. Huh. I got a I had a pair of blizzard skis that somebody gave me that I had a another I had them laminated hmm. with a big bullshit on it. <laughs> bullshit <down there. laughs> And I would go places skiing and somebody looked down at those skis and said, What is that? I said, it just was made by Carlos Bullshit skis. <laughs> They bullshit. They call them bullshit skis. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Like I said, we got a lot of history we're going through. I, I think uh, we need to maybe jump ahead to like, when did you first really think about starting the National Brotherhood of Skiers? I first thought about a national organization when I started during the carnivals, the snowboard carnivals. Mm-hmm. And that was that was in 69-70. But uh, the, you know, in piecing together things that, that gradually happened, we had a carnival up in, up in the upper, upper peninsula of Michigan. And there was a guy on the trip, you know, he was a fraternity brother of mine, and we had invited uh, Jim Dandies from Detroit to meet us up there, and they met us up there, and we were talking about uh, having a national organization, and at the time, we only knew what a club out of New York which was Dick Martin's Ski Club. We knew about the Jim Dandies out of Detroit. And as we went around, as you know, as I traveled around the country, I remember I went to Atlanta and I met this guy, you know, got to talking about skiing and met a guy named Ray Mott, who says, oh, we have a club in Detroit called Black Ski DC. So okay, he got on he got on board. Then uh Cleveland, the guy there named uh Ray Robinson. Told Ray Robinson about it and he says, Okay, we'll they formed a club called Inner City Ski Bombs. And now they all were present at the first summit. At the first summit, I think we had thirteen clubs in all. And some five or six hundred people showed up for the very first one. Five to six hundred people. Right. That's something else. I mean, it surprised me. 
it surprised me, you know, and like we started doing things that you see at the first summit, we had given different clubs nights to for after ski activities. Turn out they wouldn't be nothing but a you know but a nice dance and be a lot of cutie pies up in there. You know, <laughs> this was this was black and Playboy days, and even before Playboy started doing it, you know, the snow gophers had had a, had a night to do an after ski party, and our after ski party was a pajama party. You couldn't get in unless you wore what you slept in. It was that this this uh, condominium unit called River Run had a swimming pool and a, a little rec room, you know, at, at the party was in the rec room. And you could not get in, you know, we had somebody to know, you couldn't get in if you, if you didn't have what you slept in. Now, some guys from, not San Oakland, Oakland, California came to the door and they couldn't get in. You know, they can't get in. You know, looking there and see all them cutie pies. They stripped down to their underwear. See, this is what I sleep in, sleep in. They came in. You know, and, and the whole thing, you know, it wasn't it wasn't, you know, a feeling and grabbing type thing. It was just, you know, everybody there to have a good time. Now, that played out very well. I mean, every summit, you know, was really, really something to behold. You know, you'd be glad to get there. Then the little cutie pies started coming in them baby doll pajamas. And the older bras started getting mad. <laughs> you know, now, now, you know, and, and my thought is if you come into a theme party, you got to be dressed according to the theme. But Ben and them say, no, no, you can't, you can't make people, you can't make people. I said, yeah, you can. All you got to do is tell them, tell them before they get there. When you put out your brochure saying there will be a pajama party, you will not be allowed to come in. Now, uh, I wanted to do something for the Obamas. Now, I was gonna, I was gonna have an Obama party, and the only way you could get in is either have Obama T-shirt, Obama cap, a little button or something with Obama on it. And if you didn't have anything. Then we'll sell you a we'll sell you a bot a, 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 a Obama button, five dollars to the contribution. You know, and uh -huh. take all that money and give. See now, I went to grammar school with Michelle's father, huh. and went to high school, sat right right across from his mother, huh. her mother. And and you know, I wanted to say, you know, like whoever was was in power back then was saying, no, no, we don't want to be no political organization. We don't want to do that. We don't want to do that. Hey, that's how you build your shit up. You know, you get the you get the Obamas to come one time. And there was one guy here who had a had a closer contact with the Obamas than I did. You know, and I had called I had called see like I had called Michelle's uncle and told him what I wanted to do. And he said, well, you know, I'll talk to him and I'll get back to you. Well, after after my friends at NBS said they didn't want to do that, that died. Uh, when we did the first summit, we decided that 
that summits would be held every other year. Now, in the off year, that would have been in 74, we met in Salt Lake City. And that's when, when the Western region was so against a national organization that I came home and got a charter. <laughs> From there, you know, it started to, you know, it gets more and more and more and more political. You see, and I try to stay away from the politics, but uh, every now and then I have to get involved. But I mean, I think it, it makes sense anytime you're talking about, I mean, NBS is nearly 50, been going for nearly 50 years. You're gonna have a lot of different ideas and thoughts and, you know, um, these things evolve. So it doesn't surprise me to hear that, you know, a number of different people have different ideas and you try to choose, I hope, some of the best ones and keep it moving. Yeah. Uh, you know, like when, when, we, when we went to ski in New Zealand, and that had to be 10 or 15 years ago, I ran into a guy who was 83 years old. And I said, damn, you know, I wish I could. And he was still skiing. Hope I hope I get to be, well, I'm 83 now. I'm 83 now. I think I'll take my last run next year. Next year? Yeah. <laughs> That'll be it for me. I'm going to hang him up. You think so? Yeah. All right, yeah. so I definitely need to get to the summit. This would be... You're yeah. saying this might be my last chance to. No, no, you'll be able to. You'll be able to come to the summit. You'll be able well, to... to ski with you though if you're hanging it up. Oh yeah, well. You're calling yeah, your it'll retirement be, tour. It'll be the last. It'll be the last time with me. They made a made a, a video, something called skiing with legends. Hmm. Me and Joe Long and Ben and you know all the people who, uh, you know, there are so many people who should be included as a part of the growth of this organization that, you know, more than I can name. Hmm. We've talked a whole lot about the past and we've got a boatload of interesting stories here, but I'd love to hear you talk a little bit about your vision for kind of the youth and younger people coming up in the National Brotherhood of Skiers. The, our organization has this Olympic scholarship fund and its goal is to one day put somebody on the national ski team. And we've had, we've had some kids who, who got to the threshold and uh, I know one, a couple of them have skied in the Olympics. One guy, he wouldn't go, you know, he stopped practicing for the U.S. ski team because he was, his mother was Jamaican and it was easier for him to ski in the Olympics and rep represent Jamaica than it was for him to get on the ski team here. Uh, then we had a girl by the name of Bonnie St. John, 
Honey St. John was a hand, uh, won the hand, in the Handicap Olympics. We had a couple of winners in the Handicap Olympics. Uh, and now I'm seeing young blacks who are doing well on the snowboard, who are doing well on the, you know, in, in the uh, exports games. My whole career in the skiing, skiing, promoting skiing and all that kind of stuff, we've always had some kids to come along with us and uh, Tail Hyde was a, was a very good, he was a very good skier. He's, he did all those flips and jumps off, off shit and, <laughs> you know, did everything. He was, he was good. But he skied with us from the time he was about six or seven years old. He'd go all over the Midwest with his daddy would take him. He got to high school and decided to run away and went ran away to Salt Lake City. Got with that Salt Lake City crowd out there and learned how to really ski. But as far as as far a hey, they talking about equal opportunities and all that kind of stuff. When them black kids get to get to skiing them slaloms and all that kind of stuff, watch them. Any parting thoughts, last thoughts for us here? I would say just let's keep skiing. Let's keep skiing. And, and the more we ski, the more the youth will ski. Hmm. We'll tell you what, why don't we sign off for now and then we can keep the conversation going, go poke around a little bit. Uh, I gotta go take a closer look at this massive photograph you've got in your garage here. So uh, you guys are gonna all have to excuse us for now, but we're gonna, uh, we're gonna sign off and uh, can't wait to actually get on the ski slopes with you hopefully at the next summit. Hey, I'm looking, for, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> the next summit is in Snowmass, Colorado, uh, and that'll be easy for you to get to. It'll be easy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you, sir. I appreciate this time today, and uh, let's go look at some more stuff. Okay. <laughs> All right. Take care, everybody. Well, that's it for this edition of the Blister Podcast. Thanks so much to Art for the conversation and for the generous gifts. And I am extremely excited to make some turns with Art this coming season at the Black Summit. I also want to say thanks to Jared Farley for producing this episode. And thanks to you for listening. Now, please take good care of yourself and everybody else. And we will talk to you again next week.